0: Welcome to the Ideas Can't Wait podcast. This is your host, Frank. In here, I'll interview some of the brightest young entrepreneurs that started their business in their early 20s. I will uncover their story of how they get started, their struggles and success, and how they view the future as young visionaries of this generation. In the beginning of the pandemic, Claire moved to a small town called Kamloops in the east side of British Columbia of Canada. What surprised her about the city after she arrived is that it's missing one of the most common activity that she grew up practicing, composting. With sustainability in mind and her passion of making composting more accessible to all, she started Friendly Composting with her co-founder Katie to provide organic waste collection in Kamloops in March of 2020. Since then, they've diverted more than 700,000 pounds of food waste and helped avoid more than 600,000 pounds of CO2 equivalent emissions, making their contribution to a more sustainable city. Well, okay. first of all, welcome, Claire, to my podcast. Really great to see you and yeah so i think i'll just dive right in i'm not gonna let you introduce yourself i'll introduce you in the very beginning but i want to know more about where you grew up and your growing up environment your family maybe talk to me about that
1: okay so i grew up in on north vancouver island in campbell river which is a smaller place i think when i grew up there it was probably around twenty five thousand, and like heavy into fishing and mill things until the mill shut down and and logging those are like kind of the main industries there both my parents were teachers so that's kind of what I grew up with I remember being shocked when I was like what do you mean like growing up being a kid and being hanging out with with kids my same age as me and being like what do you mean your parents don't have summers off <laughs> like what do you mean like not all parents just had summers off but both my parents were teachers and I just thought that was normal sorry there's a working outside. Yeah. So I have the, I, my, both my parents are teachers. My mom's from Vancouver. My dad grew up on, on North Vancouver Island as well. And then I'm the youngest. So I have a sister who's six and a half years older than me and a brother who's four years older than me. So we're kind of spread out. Yeah. So I grew up in Campbell River. I was super into, I was a good student and I was super into sports. I mostly played volleyball. My dad has a, quite the sports background. So my sister and I both really took to volleyball, but I kind of played everything growing up. And then when I went to university, volleyball was kind of the the dictator of of where I went and not necessarily like the school. So I got recruited, actually bounced around a lot for university. I and all for volleyball.
0: Okay, you know, you, you mentioned both of your parents are teachers. And I, I wonder what what is it like growing in a in a family where education or academic is, is sort of the center stone.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that if you were to ask myself and my two siblings, yeah. like my brother and my sister, I think we'd all have different answers. So out of the three siblings, like my myself and my two siblings, I would say that I probably took to academics the most. My brother, he's in trades now. He was not, didn't take to school. He didn't really like it. Hmm. And then my sister was, was more focused on, on sports and social life and didn't really like school either. I don't think she would have gone to school like to post-secondary education if it weren't for volleyball i would i liked school so i think that even like on family vacations i remember we would go we went to new york one year and my dad really wanted to like go to all the museums and do that piece of new york and i remember me being like gung-ho like i was like Oh yeah, like let's go to the museum. And my I remember my brother and sister being like, Well, if I knew this was gonna be
0: like
1: this field trip, I probably wouldn't deplom. <laughs> so it definitely translated like into our everyday life. Yeah. In terms of like what we did on vacations and, and my parents right. like learning and structure and planning.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was your, was your parents pushing hard on, on all of you and your brother and you in terms of academically be great at school, or study very hard? Was that the case?
1: I don't think there was a lot of pressure there. I think that they, they all really wanted us to try to go to post secondary education because it did really wonderful things for their lives. So they, my dad grew up. And again, he probably wouldn't have gone to university if it wasn't for sports because he got a scholarship, but he grew up in a situation where he didn't have the means to go to university financially, if it weren't for sport, I don't think, I mean, he could probably correct me that. So that was, both my parents, I think, went into teaching because it was stable and secure. So my mom was in a similar situation. I think my mom was the first person in her entire extended family to go to post-secondary education. Yeah, so they both kind of grew up um, in a way that made them kind of value what education gave them. So they both grew up in situations that, you know, money wasn't abundant. And they built really stable, secure, financially sustainable lives for themselves through through going to post-secondary education and then becoming a teacher. And, and they managed money very well. Like, I think that's one thing that all of my siblings got, like, we all understand how money works (laughs) like saving and you know like being frugal and what to kind of spend money on and what to not spend money on I think that's one thing that from my from my parents and whether it's because they're teachers probably a little bit or not I think that's one thing my siblings and I all kind of share that's a similar like environment we grew up in and, and translated into our adult lives
0: Nice. And, and you mentioned your, your dad sort of got into college or, or university through uh, sports. And, and I think that's had a huge impact on you. And uh, how has your dad influence on sports, like, for example, volleyball had on you? Were you growing up playing volleyball or did you make that a goal or how was that environment like?
1: Mm-hmm. Y- yeah. yeah, I think it was a big influence, like definitely that bonding piece and then a bit of like of guidance. But I never like felt a lot of pressure. To like play a yeah, high sure. level. And my mom is like kind of the devil's advocate for sport. Like, you know, when basketball's up on the TV and my mom's the one going, it's all business. And my dad's like, come on, like look, it's like fun and exciting. It's a sport. My mom's like, it's a business, but it's great for your health. So I feel like my mom was always kind of like, it's for fun and it's for health. And if you love it, we're there to support you. And they really like bent over backwards to uh give me those opportunities to play like Tra- I mean I grew up in Campbell River it's not exactly like a central hub for anything so we traveled lots for sports so my parents were very good in that way and then I think above all like my mom's not a huge sports fan but she played a lot of sports growing up and she was very like this is good for your health and it teaches you a lot of things so I find, I've actually now read a couple articles of, like why varsity athletes should be your next hire um, and it's actually something that my business partner and I bonded over as well but I think like beyond just like, you know, being an athlete, there's so many benefits beyond just that title or, or going to post-secondary education or whatever it is. But, you know, there's like the health aspect, like being a, being an athlete allowed me to, to learn how to take care of my body and it kind of forced me to, (laughs) which was good. So there's a health I learned how to work as a team. I learned self-discipline, I think is like a huge one, self-discipline and hard work. And kind of all of those, there's so many different aspects of being an athlete that translate into everyday life. And so I think my my parents were really big advocates for that. And I think my dad was a bit of a driving force in that because it was his background, but my mom like definitely saw the benefits and supported that.
0: I I guess... yeah, you mentioned you you starting the the volleyball like because your family and like it's had a lot of benefit to you. But you are sort of playing it more professionally, and maybe you can tell me more about how you got very serious into volleyball and and uh, what would that story? What the story was that about?
1: Yeah, so I feel like going through high performance volleyball in high school, they kind of start grooming you for that. So like introducing you to how to work out and nutrition and all of these things. And then that's kind of like in hopes to play varsity. So that transition into varsity was a big adjustment. And I think that happened in two stages. I think the jump from high school to college level, which is what I played for my first two years, was like, okay, this is Mm. like a bit more serious. Like when you show up into the gym, you're expected to walk in and and give it your all. And there was countless amount of times where like I would walk up, I'd walk into the gym and maybe I wasn't like, I was having a bad day or I wasn't playing well. And especially second year, he'd be like, you can just go you can just leave you're not showing up today like oh wow yeah and so there's definitely uh like a bit of a reality check there i think for myself okay from from high school to bar or to to college level working out was a thing in college but there was a way bigger jump when i went from from college to university and that's when like i learned about more about nutrition and working out so I remember I calculated it out once. And when I was playing in the CIS at the time, it's U Sport now, spending about 30 to 40 hours a week on volleyball, probably 30.
0: Wow. That's a full-time job.
1: Yeah. On top of taking five classes. (laughs) Time
0: management. That's insane. Time
1: management is another skill of varsity sports students. Yeah. So like my typical day or week, I would, you have a two hour team practice every day. You, I lifted weights through or sorry, through two hour practice every day. Yeah. So five times a week I did weightlifting three times a week, cardio twice a week. I would have an individual practice for one hour, three times a week. And then on top of that, we would have mental training and video and then games. (laughs) So it was just a lot. And there was, there's a really, really steep learning curve. And I think that that happens differently for everybody. Like, I think that everybody's like, for me, time management, I was quite good at self in, in taking a high course load and managing volleyball, but I wasn't very good at weightlifting. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I needed more help with that. And I was new to the league and I was a bit, you know, out of my pay grade. So I had to have more one-on-ones with my coach and watch more video. Yeah. Much. whereas other people that maybe came more naturally but time management was hard for them or the academic side was challenging so I think that there's like a lot of different areas and depending on where your strengths are that varsity experience can vary quite a bit
0: nice yeah and, and you mentioned before volleyball sort of uh, help you find your co-founders maybe you can tell me more about that like did you find did you know your co-founder first did you found the company and after that you find uh, you've co founder Katie. How did that turn out to be?
1: Yeah. Okay, Katie and I actually have a really hilarious story about meeting, but the volleyball component of it, she played at SFU. So they played, they didn't play in Canada. They played in the States. So I actually had no idea who she was. And volleyball is like oh, kind nice. of a small community. So typically, you know, everybody or like, you know, someone who knows someone, or even if you haven't met them, you like know they, they played at a school. I didn't know Katie at all. I had never heard of her. And so I moved to Kamloops. And we were on the same rec volleyball team, and that's that's how we met. We had met we met three times, I think, uh, and then we moved in together.
0: <laughs> oh, you were you were in the same university, same team playing volleyball together.
1: Oh, sorry, we were. This was after varsity volleyball, and we had moved. Okay. So she moved to Kamloops a few years before me, and I moved okay. when I moved to Kamloops. I joined like her recreational, like adult league volleyball team.
0: Ah, oh, okay. Yeah.
1: and so we met through that. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. What? What? Uh, what? What made you move to uh, Kamloops? And and is Katie originally in in Kamloops?
1: Yeah. So Katie is not from Kamloops. She's from the Lower Mainland. She grew up. She grew up in Ladner, and then she moved here to Kamloops probably seven years ago for a relationship. At the time.
0: Oh. Okay. Uh, and I moved. Just just for relationships.
1: Yeah. I think so. I think she was looking for a change and I don't know. And I moved for the same reason. I had finished university. So after I finished university, I went and traveled around Spain, actually walked across Spain. And then I moved to Kamloops with my boyfriend at the time.
0: And so he... Was your your boyfriend in Kamloops?
1: Yeah. He had a job in Kamloops and I was kind of like in a transient place in my life. I didn't have a job or like a specific area I needed to be. So I decided to move to Kamloops as well. Mm, And then mm. he invited me to join his rec volleyball team, which Katie was on. And that's how I met Katie. Yeah. And then this is like a a story that we sometimes share and sometimes don't. So I will share it.
0: That's okay. (laughs) Yeah, share it, please.
1: So Katie, I met Katie once at, at volleyball. And then I found out that my significant other at the time my boyfriend was not being uh super truthful about a lot of things in our relationship and so I like had suspected he was cheating and huh. had found discovered a lot of lies because we did long distance for a little while and he was living in Campus huh. while we were doing long distance and I was in Edmonton and so I discovered some things that were fishy to me and I actually reached out to Katie because I based on what I found him and learned I knew Katie knew what was going on and so I had met Katie maybe twice and she was (laughs) in traveling and I messaged her being like listen I understand I might be putting you in an awkward spot I'm new here I don't know anybody I just really want somebody to lay the truth on me like whatever it is somebody be truthful and so she just sent back paragraphs and was like here's everything I know like
0: oh my god yeah
1: (laughs) And so I, yeah.
0: That's a very strong bond between you guys. The the fact that she's able to tell you all that and and, uh, you trusting her too.
1: Totally. She was just super honest. And she was like, if I was in your situation, I would want somebody to be honest with me. So I thanked her and she was traveling for a couple of weeks. And then I moved in with a a couple of friends I had in Kamloops and was trying to figure out, like, do I stay? Do I go? I've been in Kamloops long, maybe like a month. So I wasn't like super tied here. And then Katie ended up coming back from traveling and we sat down and just like had a chat in person about it all. Yeah. And then she came back from New Zealand and broke up with her boyfriend and we were both looking for
0: Oh, (laughs) so as soon as she tell you about the story about your, your significant other at the time, you decided just to break it up and then continue with the life. Yeah. Okay. As soon as I found out
1: everything, it was like absolute deal breaker. Like I sat, I didn't tell him for probably like four days. We were living together and I knew everything he had done. And I, st-
0: oh my God, four days. Four
1: days. <laughs> I was like, I need to get out of here. And I didn't know that many people in Kamloops. So I slowly started packing up my stuff and I like arranged a living situation. And then I confronted him about it. And then I like grabbed my suitcases and left. <laughs> it was a swift exit.
0: <laughs> oh, Wow. And then well, by the time you left, did you find a new roommate or did you find a new place to live? I guess you and Katie was arranging something of living together, right?
1: Yeah. So when I moved out of my boyfriend's house or so like where we were living together, I actually moved in. I just like, <laughs> I went to our mutual friends and they were the only people I knew in Kamloops. And it was the same situation when I approached Katie and I was like, I understand this might be putting you in an awkward spot. And I and was like, <laughs> I know you're friends with my ex, but I really need a place to live. So I crashed for three weeks. Uh,
0: Oh, wow. You know
1: what? This is when we went out to Halifax, this is who I met up with. Um,
0: Okay. This is the
1: guy that I stayed with him and his girlfriend. So I stayed for three weeks in their addict studio suite. (laughs)
0: That's a, that's going to be a lot of story happening in there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I was very thankful. They took me in for three weeks and then, I found a place to live just like on a month to month basis. And then quickly after that, mm. Katie came back from traveling and she was looking for a roommate and we went and like found an apartment together.
0: Okay. And, and you guys start living together and, and I guess you guys started becoming very good friends. And uh, how, how, how did the friendly composting uh, origin started
1: yeah. between you guys? So we probably lived together for about a year a year and a half, I think we moved, yeah, about, we were living together for about a year, a year and a half, and Katie was, at the time, managing Earl's, like, the restaurant, Okay. and she was ready to move on. She was just kind of over it, and looking for something new, and she did, do you know what College Pro is?
0: College Pro, I'm not sure.
1: It's like a student painting company, and it's kind of like you, you if you're a student, you, like, buy a franchise, and you book jobs, and...
0: Oh, so like student, you basically own uh, the facilities. Act act as a
1: business owner. Yeah, yeah. So oh, it's like nice. a a lot of student. I think there's one called Student Works here now in BC. Similar concept. Right. And so Katie did that through her undergrad while she was playing varsity volleyball and doing all that kind of stuff. And she loved it. And she did amazing at it. She has like awards for for excellence in that in that franchise. And she loved this, the home services. She loved being her own boss. So part of her transition out of the, the restaurant industry was she really wanted to get back to that. She really wanted to mm. learn something for herself. And she was pretty passionate about the home services industry. And so we were just living together and, and we started brainstorming. We would <laughs> sit on our patio and we would just brainstorm. Like, what about painting? She's like, no, I'm kind of over painting. And. And then we were trying to think of all these like home service type oh. businesses.
0: How are you on board? Because I guess that that's her idea, but did she convince you to to do something together? Start brainstorming.
1: Yeah. So at the time, I was working as a financial advisor, so I had done all of my like securities courses, and I worked in financial planning. And we were just we were just brainstorm, and it was fun for me. I I took business in my undergrad, and. I I even when I was in financial planning I remember I would like sit at my computer in the morning and like google businesses for sale in Camloops to see if up. So I kind of always was kind of in the loop or or thinking about those types of things so it was just fun for us like it was genuinely Katie and I had so much fun living together our house was absolutely like we were we became close quite quickly we saw each other both in like very vulnerable states, like moving in together and the boyfriends, breakups. And so we bonded quite quickly over all of that and saw each other in, in kind of a quite a low. <laughs> um, and then our house just became like super fun. Like we are very aligned people. And so we're talking about businesses or spitballing about ideas it just happened very organically. And it was fun. Like we would sit there and like just play off each other. And so Katie got to the point where she really wanted to quit her job. So she put in her notice or maybe got let go because of COVID. It was around the same time. I can't remember. And then we just, we landed on composting somehow. We were talking a lot about ways to be living more sustainably ourselves. And so we kind of like put out composting or like recycling pickup once or twice. Cause that's something that our, our municipality didn't do. And then we we're like, screw it. Even if we don't do composting for a business, we should we should just compost like that's a a good thing to do for the environment we should take that responsibility on ourselves. We were in an apartment there was no pickup we obviously didn't have a backyard. And so we started collecting our food scraps in a bucket just under our sink and we're like we'll just go drive it out to like the city composting site. And we bounced a couple ideas about about compost pickup and so Katie actually went I was working. Katie went to go drive out this bucket of food scraps to the composting like the city composting facility. And she got turned away. (laughs) So she showed up and she was like super proud. Like, here I am. I got my bucket of compost scraps here, like ready to be composted. And the city worker was like, yeah, we don't accept food scraps here. It's only yard waste. Like we only compost. And she was like, okay, well, what do I do with this? And they were kind of like, I don't know, like that's a you problem now.
0: (laughs) Okay. what well, would we grew up, they, they had composting, right? Were you, were you surprised to find out that Campbell doesn't have that?
1: Pretty surprised. So, well, where I grew up in Campbell River, there wasn't municipal composting. I grew up with a backyard compost. Like, we had a big garden mm-hmm. growing up and, and a backyard, and, and we always had a <laughs> compost pile. So, that was something that we always did as a family. Okay. And I think everywhere that I lived after that had composting. Um, I know Nanaimo does now most of the island does most of the lower mainland does so it is surprising that Kamloops doesn't have it especially in BC yeah so on the way back from the city composting site Katie ended up pulling over and and getting out like you know those community gardens she pulled over to a community garden and convinced a community gardener to take our compost scraps just once she was like I'll do this once but I'm not doing it again (laughs) And what do so, they
0: do? Like, what do they do after taking it? So, like, you give them the scrap; they just bury it in, in the land and cover it up. Is is that how it works? Yeah.
1: Well, she she just added it to her compost pile, I guess.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So Katie got home, and we were both just like mind blown that you couldn't <laughs> you, you can always drop off your food scraps. I'm like, man, like there's no curbside pickup. Even in, like we're motivated to compost; like we we believe this is the right thing to do for the environment. Right. We want to do it
0: exactly. And,
1: and we don't even have a place to like drop it off like this is ridiculous this is so yeah. accessible and so that is like when we sat down we're like okay how would this work like how could we oh, get okay how could we get this off the ground like if we're feeling this frustrated and like mind blown that there's no composting here there's got to be like a couple other people feeling the same way in this city
0: right how long as this after you start brainstorming when you find out about this idea
1: it happened pretty quickly I feel like we were maybe brainstorming for a couple weeks casually and then mm-hmm. as soon as we went and tried to drop off the compost of scraps and failed uh, or didn't fail we figured it out but uh realized there wasn't a solution in place that's when we it was like okay yep we can figure this out we can problem solve this
0: when, when you were brainstorming were you brainstorming like cool ideas or problems from problems what were how did you approach the brainstorming
1: Ooh, that's a good question most of it was around, our, I don't really remember all of it, but I remember a lot of it being around home services.
0: Home services,
1: uh, okay. So like painting or pool maintenance or yards or delivering. Yeah, we just, I remember Katie had a couple of really good conversations with, with some people in her network about home services. And because she'd mm-hmm. worked in space already, she knew mm-hmm. she liked it. So that was where a lot of our conversations just started because because of those reasons. That was kind of like a central idea that we kept on going back to, I mean, I remember we brainstormed about a couple other like random things, like not random, but like restaurants or like more still service-based a lot of it was service based and that was kind of like where our strengths were. But yeah, I remember us talking about like restaurants or breweries or, but yeah, we always kind of kept coming back to home services. That was a a gravitation to that.
0: Okay. And, And after you find the problem of not being able to compost Um, action and immediately after that
1: I think we we sat down and like started being like okay how would this work like what would it look like what would and we kind of started with the customer experience like what Mm. would the customer experience be, and then kind of worked back from there and then figured out okay that's the customer service then what would the logistics look like what would the finances look like what would this look like and kind of worked back from that okay but I remember Katie stayed up like I was still working my nine to five job, and at this point she was done her job, and Covid was just starting, so this was probably like mid february twenty twenty okay, I remember one day we went to, we went to bed and woke up in the morning, and Katie was like, "I was up almost all night, and she like had her <laughs> <laughs> she had her journal with her, and it was just like notes scribbled all through it about what this composting service could look like, Wow. And that was definitely a moment where I was like, okay, like that was the spark. Serious. Like this okay. isn't really like bouncing ideas anymore. We're like diving deeper into this one.
0: Okay. What is the initial days like after you guys, you know, plan and, and uh, what is guys, uh, doing right off the bat?
1: We went to a thrift store and bought buckets that used, that used to have pickled eggs in them <laughs> and We dropped them off to our friend's houses and Volun told them to compost. We were like, here's a bucket. We're just going to give this a go. So fill it up with your food scraps. We'll be back next Tuesday and we'll pick it up. And it was like a total trust exercise. They had what they were signing up for. We had no idea what we were going to do with the compost once we picked it up from them. And that was something that, like myself, especially kind of we talked about my background where my parents are planners. I would consider myself a planner. I love a good. the unknown freaks me out and I'm trying to embrace it more but by nature I like to know what's going on and so I was I would say I was kind of more uncomfortable with it where I was like I think we need to put more thought into this I think we need to (laughs) I think we need to figure out logistics I like we think we should try to price things and Katie was like nope I just want to get started and I was like okay but we don't have any sort of plan like we have some buckets and we have no like we know that you can't drop this compost off anywhere we have nowhere to take it and she was like yep i just i'm feel itching like i i'm itching to get started right now i just need to go and i was just like this is so not how i operate yeah so we dropped off all the buckets to friends and families picked them up the next week and i was still working my job in finance and i remember i showed up to my job at finance maybe three weeks in a row just with compost bins i had a hatchback just my hatchback filled with compost bins oh really (laughs) my boss was like what are you doing And I was like I don't know that's <laughs> I need to take it somewhere <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. so yeah. so after you give all the bins to your friends they fill it up and what did you guys do with it
1: yeah so we picked it up we we were stuck with it for probably about two weeks just in the back of our cars with nowhere to take it and then oh as-
0: with with all the food isn't that going to like smell really <laughs> bad in the back of the car or
1: Well, the buckets were sealed, so the smell wasn't bad. But yeah, really hoping there wasn't going to be like a spill or a car crash, (laughs) which is why my bosses thought I was absolutely nuts when I was still working my office job. Through that job, actually, is how we met Jill, who you saw. yeah. Through that job, we met Jill, and she worked at the university and worked in the regenerative agriculture space and sustainable ranching and all of that kind of stuff. And she had a farm. And so she heard what we were trying to do when we met up with her and she had a spare field that she wasn't really using. And so she really generously offered for us to, to start composting there.
0: Okay. And, and, uh, and uh, what did you guys do? Like, uh, did did you guys know how to compost before? What what did you guys do with all those buckets?
1: We dumped them in the field and we covered, <laughs> we, we covered them in hay because we read on Google that that was like a good thing to do. Okay.
0: Uh,
1: and, and, and basically we sat down with Jill. She was very passionate about what we wanted to do, but she was like, oh. I'm not going to learn about composting. So if you guys want to do this, I'll give you this land and I would be super honored for you to be a part of my story here at the farm. Like you got to learn how to compost. <laughs> yeah. Um, she also she was a huge mentor for us early on one just with providing us with that space and allowing us to get started but she works in like for the university her job at the university and the program that she ran at the university was essentially to help ranchers and regenerative agriculture practices build financially sustainable models to continue their business okay so she actually sat us down and helped us take a look at what maybe what we were thinking of charging people what our expenses would be and how to lay that all out in a spreadsheet to see if we were going to be profitable or if this was like a sustainable business model so she was a huge huge help for us early on on the processing okay. the compost side of things but also on the business side she kind of helped us okay. get a little bit of confidence and and add a bit of structure to what we were trying to do right um, so once we had that we decided okay we're going to give this a go like we have all our bases covered um
0: you know how it operates
1: Yeah, we drove this was and at this point, it was like full on pandemic, like BC was shut down, our service was all going to be socially distanced. So it didn't really affect us in that way. Thank goodness. But we drove down to we needed more buckets. And so we drove all the way down to Vancouver, just to do a day trip. So it was like, I don't know, seven hours of driving. Okay. And we picked up 500 moldy bins that used to have chocolate in them. And on the way, five hundred.
0: That's quite a lot. Yeah.
1: How,
0: how, like, how, how many were you collecting in the beginning? Like before know. you go. Oh, like twenty. Twenty? How? How? Why did you decide to buy five hundred? That's a lot.
1: It was a lot, but we got them. The reason that we got them was because they were they were really quite cheap because they were used. Okay. And, and okay. Multi- we were like man we might not be able to find these bins again and i think they were going for like a dollar a bin or something so we're like we should just buy all of them so we don't have to do this again and go all the way down but i remember on the drive back so we had our suv filled with these moldy chocolate bins and on the way back i tethered my phone to my laptop and i sat in the passenger seat and read out loud how composting worked (laughs) the seven-hour
0: drive is enough time for you to learn how it works
1: yeah like katie was driving and i was like on my laptop being like okay so we have to do this this and this and okay that's for a backyard and this is for industrial and this is if you're using manure and we just like i just read about composting and how it works i was like you need to figure it out yeah
0: and uh, and then after you get the bins 500 of them like what do you do with them
1: oh my gosh we were still living in the apartment And thank goodness we were ground level. So we had like a little patio and a little bit of grass area. It was like communal space, the grass area. But we took those 500 moldy bins and we washed them on our patio.
0: On your patio?
1: On our patio. (laughs) Yeah. We had like these big tubs that we filled with water and we like hand washed them and like scraped off the labels.
0: All 500 of them?
1: Yeah. Okay. No. Wow. Probably a couple hundred for sure. Okay. Okay. And then we found out that we could go to a car wash and just use the power washer. And it took
0: off
1: all (laughs) in (laughs) one go. So those poor car washes, but we would bring bins to the car wash and use their pressure washer and just wash bins. We got so many funny looks. But that was just what we needed to do. So we did it.
0: Stay scrappy. Like you, you guys literally did the scrappiest thing, like buying the moldy chocolate bins, Taking it home and washing your patios and and going to car wash to wash it. So at that at that moment you realize you are solving a problem and people need the composting. And how did you um, reach a lot more people?
1: Social media was big for us, still is, but it really at the beginning it was it was huge for us. But also word of mouth. So we started just with our friends, maybe twenty yeah. friends in town that we've all told <laughs> to compost, and then we got the more more bins and at that point, we started posting on social media, we posted like in on Facebook, but like in, you know, there's like neighborhood groups or like community groups on Facebook, we started posting those. And we started off just with like one area of town, because we didn't know what demand was going to be like, or how much capacity we can handle. So we started out with just a couple of neighborhoods in town, and just started posting on social media. Yeah. And and that definitely grew and pe- some people were excited about it. I remember one day we were sitting in the apartment and we posted like in a garden group or something on on social media. And then and we had like a little script we would send them like you'd copy and paste it. And because people were just wow. signing like through Facebook Messenger and then we would have like an Excel sheet we tracked it through. And so people would like send us their information and then we would like add them to our sheet. And I remember one time we posted in this garden group and then all of a sudden we got like seven signups and Katie and I were both like, Oh my gosh, drop everything. Like, this is so much work. (laughs) And we were like overwhelmed for a second. So that's definitely social media. And then we got to a certain point. I was still working my nine to five job and Katie was doing the business like picking up and and social media and all this stuff and then I would just help when I was off work or on my lunch break or whatever the case was and then we got to a point where Katie couldn't do the pickups anymore because it was too too much
0: how many people were using it at the time
1: oh 100 100 150 but we only picked up on like one or two days so she was doing like 50 or 100 pickups in a day
0: oh just by herself yeah Wow, that's crazy! And how 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 soon was it from from just your friends to like a hundred people?
1: Yeah, so we started with our friends in March, and I quit my job by June. Okay. Yeah, so I think so, I quit so f- three months. Yeah, about three months. Yeah.
0: And and after you quit your job, like, what was the dynamic like, and how did you guys keep growing it?
1: Yeah. So. Actually, even before I quit my job, I was kind of like the call center. (laughs) So I'd be like working my my job and I'd like see messages come in on social media or get a phone call and then I would be like dispatcher to Katie. But when I quit my job is when we both started doing everything. So we actually drove around together and did all of the pickups, which in hindsight was like not the most effective way to pick up bins, but it did Mm -hmm. allow us to talk about the business all day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we spent a ton of time together and then because it was COVID every and so many people were working from homes this was like during the middle of all the lockdowns and a lot of the people that signed up were people that we knew so we just we networked so much with our our composters Mm. everybody was home they were like excited about this new service and they would come out and chat with us so
0: okay you talk to your customers
1: Yeah. yeah like in person which like during the pandemic didn't happen often for a lot of people, but yeah, we would, you know, we went to their house every week and we were around, they were there around the same time. And a lot of the people we knew or like had mutual connections with. So yeah, we just chatted with them and they were excited and, and we were able to, to get to know them and word of mouth really like helped us massively. So we had right. the social media, which was huge, but then apart from that word of mouth was Wild, wild.
0: <laughs> nice, yeah. And uh, how, how is it going now? I guess from all the way beginning, from twenty people trying your product, uh, growing to a hundred, talking to your customers. You know, how has it been going now?
1: Yeah. So right now we have grown. We we have a team of ten right now. And we pick up for about 650 homes and 25 businesses. Yeah. And then we also added a service. We do local product delivery as well, which was something we started when it was just kV and I doing right. all of the pickups. Yeah. There was no farmer's markets going on because of the yeah. pandemic. So we yeah. got connected with a couple through, through our connections and in the farming side of things. And that was another way we got to know our customers because we would have like a bunch of corn. <laughs> and okay. then we would like, Go exchange the compost bin and like knock on their door and be like do you want to buy corn while we're here
0: <laughs> oh you started the uh, the food delivery by by just asking if the people want corns
1: yeah pretty much i don't know if corn was the first thing we had but it might have been and then we added bread because we knew a baker and she makes like the best sourdough in town and she didn't have like a physical space like sales oh. space
0: okay um
1: so we started just like knocking on people's doors, and then we started sending out just like a Google form. And yeah. so we would send out a Google form to all of our our composters at the beginning of the week, and then they would like place their order through that. Right. Yeah, so that's how that kind of started. So yeah, now we have a warehouse bay and an office, a team of ten. Yeah, things are things are moving. <laughs>
0: that's crazy. That's crazy, man. Like just hearing your story from from getting the the moldy chocolate bins and until now it, it's truly amazing what you've accomplished. And I want to know like, how had the, how how had friendly composting changed you as a person in terms of mindset goals and what you see yourself doing in the future?
1: Oh man, I think it's, it's changed me a lot. And part of that is like just career wise. Like I think entrepreneurship is like a total roller coaster. And I think that Katie and I approach things quite differently. Like Katie and I, complement each other very well and we knew that from early on like even before we started the business like we would go to i don't know walmart and we would have like the most efficient walmart shopping trips like we were just like so decisive and communicated well when we started the business we would have like a list of everything we needed to do and it was like very (laughs) obvious and clear when it was like that's a claire job that's a katie job that's a claire job that's a katie job and then we just had a ton of trust in our relationship too so i think that just from working with one another we've learned a lot from each other
0: okay
1: um and then for myself personally like like i said before i'm a planner i was a financial Mm. planner like i've always had everything like yeah pretty orderly and i think that entrepreneurship and and growing friendly composting really threw that for a loop and i've really had to learn how to like, let go of some of that stability and predictability and embrace the unknown, which is yeah. still a challenge. And I have to check myself on it. I like to think that, it, I don't know, it's like a double-edged sword because sometimes I think mm-hmm. it hurts me because I worry about the unknown. But then on the other hand, sometimes I think that it's like a skill that I have because I can bring yeah. structure to chaos. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of something that I've been trying to like embrace, but yeah. also let go of like on two different sides of it.
0: And, and have you thought about being an entrepreneur before you start friendly composting? And has that changed your trajectory about your life in the future?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think that, like, on the bigger picture side of things, entrepreneurship has really opened up my mind to, like, what I thought my life could look like and what I thought I was capable of. Like, in my mind before in my structured brain I was always like okay like I'm gonna do this and then maybe this and then maybe this and then entrepreneurship was like you can do anything oh you can do anything (laughs) (laughs) yeah like there's just it really broadened I think that's something that happens when you get older too like when you get asked as a kid like oh what do you want to be when you're older and you're like I don't know is there like five career choices like a nurse a teacher an astronaut I don't know and then when you get older you just like learn so much more about the world and how many more opportunities there are So I think part of that comes from just like getting older in age, but then the other piece of it is entrepreneurship when you're like, you can really do whatever you want if you have the right skills and apply yourself and work hard and do all these things. So I think that is definitely a big piece of it. And then through entrepreneurship and being involved with different organizations like EO, I think I've just like developed a lot more as a person as well and have like tools and resources and networks to do that. So I think that that's changed me quite a bit.
0: It's really amazing what you guys have been doing, you know, for the environment. And I guess for the future, do you hope to keep building on the composting or uh, planning to do something after? Or What does the future look like for you?
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the next like one to two years go. Uh, I think composting like we have a, is going to be a part of my life for for a very long time. But both Katie and I are... Excited to look to do new things as well. I think that working in like the eco sector the, or the sustainability space is something yes. I'm quite passionate about. It's what I'm doing schooling for now. It's something I think is important and aligns with my values. I wouldn't be surprised if I strayed from it a little bit and did something else that was exciting. But yeah. definitely like if I was looking to build another business, then I, I would be like really happy if it was in that in that space and in that sustainability impact side of things.
0: Nice. And finally, uh, give me one advice for young, ambitious people who want to start their business.
1: I think like networking, talk to people and Mm. and not not to be afraid of failure. Uh I think that fear of failure is like something that holds a lot of people back. Yeah. And I even see it like sometimes when I don't know, we make a change in the business or we know something's coming down the road that's going to impact the business and people like you can, you it's funny seeing people's reactions where some people are like, oh, well, that's business. And some yeah. people are like, oh, no, that could be a failure. And you're like, "It's not a failure. <laughs> that's so not a failure. Uh, everything yeah. you learn through entrepreneurship is a lesson. I believe that.
0: Nice. And, and I think, listen to your story. What I learned is that you guys actually went through the process of finding a problem because you discovered the composting wasn't a thing and you tried it out going to the municipality and you find this is a problem and you start experimenting with your friends and see whether they would react and then uh, you started up very scrappy getting all those bends and talking to your customers understanding what they want i think these are all the great methodologies that a startup or entrepreneur should have and you guys did all of them without even learning about the methodology and just doing it like organically I think that's super great and if for anyone who's listening I think talking to customer more and stay scrappy in the beginning find a real problem to solve that's I think the most important thing for running a startup uh, but yeah thank you so much Claire for sharing your story how you get started Friendly Composing and you guys are doing amazing things for the environment and I hope you guys keep going at it and can't I can't wait to see where you guys end up in the next few years
1: awesome thanks so much for having me here Frank
0: No problem. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ideas Can Wait Podcast. If you have taken something away from this episode and really enjoyed our conversation, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review on wherever you're listening or watching. It will help this podcast to reach more like-minded people like you. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next one.